Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're in a series called The Names of God. I want to talk to you today uh, about the name Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. Um, uh, many times throughout the scripture, uh, God has given different names. All of us know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We all know that name, those names. And yes, those are the names of God. But also, all throughout the scriptures, there's all different names that are given to God. Now, I've said this the last two weeks, and I'll continue to say this. Oftentimes, you and I were given nicknames. You go throughout your life. You have some friends. You have family members. At, at a, some point in life, you probably get a nickname. That's your nickname. That's not who you are. It's just a name that's been given to you. The names of God that are, that are in, the, in the scripture are not nicknames. They are who he is. They represent who he is. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. He is Jehovah Ra. He is our shepherd. It's not just a nickname. Oh yeah, he's a shepherd. No, no, no. He is our shepherd. This is who he is. And so every name we, we talk about, it's who he actually is. Jehovah Shalom, it's who he is. The word Shalom or Jehovah Shalom means the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. And oh my goodness, uh, we living in times where we need some peace. Come on somebody. And you're like, oh no, I got peace. Mm, you need some more. Come on somebody. We all live in times where there's so much chaos and there's so many things that are coming at us from all different directions and there's so much busyness and there's so much going on that oftentimes we don't even really understand the amount of necessary, how, how much we necessarily need the peace of God in our lives. And here's what's awesome about the peace of God is it literally, his name is Jehovah Shalom, which means he is peace. We find this text in Judges chapter 6 and verse 24. It says, Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. What's happening here in this scripture, in this text, is Gideon, uh, the Israelites uh, were under uh, 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 bondage and under uh, attack for over seven years. They had been uh, 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 being destroyed and being uh, taken advantage of by the Midianites. The Midianites were, were ruling them. They were, these Israelites and all these people were running and living in caves and in mountains because they feared the Midianites. And so God comes to Gideon, this man named Gideon. And, and the, the Bible says the angel of the Lord comes to him. Many people believe that this was Jesus. Uh, theologians will believe this is a Christophany. A Christophany is a time in the scripture before Jesus came as, as actual man that he visited people randomly uh, in the Old Testament. That's what people believe. This was Jesus speaking to this man named Gideon. And he says, listen, I want you to go and I want you to, I want you to free the Israelites. He, I want you to defeat the Midianites. And he's freaking out. He's like, oh my gosh, oh my. And then literally God says right before the text, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so then this is where Gideon gets this text. Okay, even though there's this chaotic situation happening in my life and what God is asking me to do, I understand God is peace. God is peace. And so really today, I wanna talk to you about that. I wanna talk to you about how God is peace in our lives in all situations. And I, we get our text as far as our story in the scripture today from Matthew chapter 14, a uh, very famous scripture in the Bible. Many of you probably know it, uh, but we're gonna read it together today. It says, after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake. Now pause, let me explain what's happening here. Right before this text, it says, after, immediately after this, 
this. This text is right after Jehovah Jireh. This is right after God provides and Jesus provides and feeds the 5,000. This is literally, he feeds them and he says immediately after this same text, Jesus insisted the disciples get back into the boat, cross the other side of the lake when he sent the people home, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. After about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw the walk, him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear and they cried out, it's a ghost. But when Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come and allow me to walk on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You you have so little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt me? It says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. When the disciples worshiped him, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. We're a little slow on the continue with what's going on in the word, but here's what's happening. Jesus is literally, he's, he, he sees them and he's by himself. He's praying to the father. He sees the disciples in the, in the water, struggling with the waves. The wind and the storm had gotten so bad, they're struggling. Jesus sees them. The Bible says he goes toward them. As he goes towards them, the Bible says they see him and they're like, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't know many things worse than a storm, but but seeing a ghost in the storm would be worse. Come on, somebody. And so they freak out. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what's going on. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. Take courage. It's me. I am here. So they say, oh, it's Jesus. And Peter's like, oh my gosh, Jesus. If it's you, tell me to come and walk on the water. Jesus is like, come on, let's do it, bro. And so G- Peter jumps out in the water. Peter starts, the Bible says, walking on the water. Peter's walking on the water. Then Peter sees the waves. He feels the wind. He sees what's happening. And the Bible says he begins to sink. The Bible says he calls out to Jesus. Jesus reaches down, picks him up, and he says, you have such little faith. Why did you doubt? Then the Bible says that they get back into the boat. And when they get back into the boat, the wind stops. The Bible says when the wind stops, the men dis- begin to worship him. And they say, truly you are the son of God. From this scripture, I see a great picture. Uh, From this scripture, I see a great picture of really what Jesus is when we talk about Jesus is Jehovah Shalom and who God is. He is the God of peace. And in this, I want to show you three quick things that I believe that will help us as we walk out and understand who God is. This is what why we're talking about the names of God. We're talking about the names of God because I believe the way we see God helps us relate to God. The way we see God is the way we relate to God. So we want to see God for who he is and all his, in the ways that we can and all the ways that we are able to because as we see him, we'll be able to relate to him better. And he is our peace. If we in a year ever needed peace more than 2020, I want to know about it. We needed to know, Christians needed to know, he is Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. Even when there's chaos and even when there's uncertainty and even when there's disease, he is our peace. A lot of Christians and a lot of believers, and I'm not making fun of any Christians and any believers, but people got caught up in the noise and we started to believe the words of man and not believe the words of God. And that is that he is Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace in all circumstances. 
And we need to know that. We need to believe that. Here's what I know. We need to know who God is before we need to need, before we need to know who he is. We need to know who he is and stand on who he is before we need him. We need to know he's peace before we need peace. We need to know he's Jehovah Jireh before we need provision. I must start preaching for a second. He is Jehovah Shalom. In this scripture in Mark chapter 47, it says this, chapter six, excuse me, in verse 47, it says, late that night the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. He is the, our peace in our struggles. The Lord is our peace in our struggles. He is peace in our struggles. The Bible says right here that the, that the men are rowing and they're struggling. They're struggling to survive. They're struggling in their situation. And the Bible says this. I love the scripture. Oh my goodness, I love this. It says that Jesus sees them struggling. I want to encourage you, if you're here or you're watching online, Jesus sees us in our struggles. And here's what's awesome about Jesus. He doesn't see us in our struggles and say, really? Are you serious? Are you kidding me right now? Do you... Uh, you just saw me feed 5,000 people. Can you just call? No, he doesn't do that. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus sees them and then he walks towards them. See, Jesus is, and God is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace in our struggles. What does this mean? It means that even though that we walk through struggles, he sees us in our struggles, but doesn't just leave us there. He comes towards us in our struggles because he wants to help us and bring peace in our lives. Here's what we have to first know. In every situation, Jesus is the answer. In every situation, Jesus is and always will be the answer. And the only answer, if we need peace in any situation in our life, the only answer is Jesus. It's not another relationship. It's not another job. It's not more money. It's not a promotion. It's not getting more friends around you. It's not do, going somewhere else or doing something else. No, the only answer is Jesus. He is peace. It's not that he's a God that says, okay, I have peace. Let me hand you peace. No, he is peace. He is the only answer for peace. I would go so far as to say this. If you, can, if you don't, if we, not you, if we don't know God, we don't know true peace. Why? Because he is peace. I want to show it to you. I'm glad you asked. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. There is no he himself and that boo you've been waiting for is our peace. It's not he and himself and the new job or the new promotion that we've been looking for is our peace. No, he is our peace in every situation, even in our struggles. I love it. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is not a state of being. Peace is a person. And it's Jehovah Shalom. It is God. He is our peace. I believe this. And here's what I know. Peace is not the absence.
absence of struggle. Oftentimes we have this dream of what peace is and it's where I can sit and all is well in the world. No, peace is this, and I love it. It's my favorite, one of my favorite songs of all time. Peace is even though there's chaos, it is well with my soul because I know who God is and I know that he is God, Jehovah, Shalom. He is the answer. It is well, not in all my circumstances, it is well in my soul. Why? Because I know God is for me and if God is for me, who can be against me? He, is, he sees me and he, go, he reaches towards me. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. I wanna show you a scripture and we actually, Spencer stole some of my message today on his little communion thing, but it's all good. We can keep reading it. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. You know, sometimes stuff happens and we don't even know. And we, you know, we're good, but we're not that good. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I had no idea. Okay, anyways, all right. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Jesus is our peace. He is, he is peace. I love this. God is our peace. And then from here, I love this scripture in Hebrew because it shows us why he's our peace. It shows us how he's our peace. He's our peace in our struggles. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet in our struggles, while we were yet in, stuck in our, in, in, in our situation that we could not get of, out of, he saw us and the Bible says he chose to come. And while we were sinners, he came and chose to love us and forgive us because of his, his son, Jesus. Now, here's what's cool. I love this. The Bible says that because through the curtain into the most holy place, what are they talking about right here? They're talking about in the Old Testament, they had the, the, the tabernacle and then the tabernacle or the temple, there was the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was where God, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was set. The Ark of the Covenant was where God's presence resided. In fact, it's really where God resided. And so here's what happens. The people put God in a box. Literally, you know what I'm saying? You know, you're always being told, don't put God in a box. Well, they did, you know what I'm saying? And so the Ark of the Covenant's in this Holy of Holies and it was, it, was, it was separated from a different room based on this veil or this curtain. And the Bible says that when Jesus came in Matthew chapter 27, when he died, it says this. It says that when Jesus had cried out again in the loud voices when he dies, it says he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Okay, so here's what it's talking about. It says that we can come boldly into the presence of God because, because of uh, Jesus' blood and because of the curtain that's been removed. Okay, what is curtain he's talking about? They're talking about this curtain right here, this veil that was separating the, us from the Holy of Holies, from the presence of God, from God himself. And so the Bible says that when Jesus died, the veil actually was torn from the top down. A picture of us seeing that no man could separate or, or, or could take us and allow us to be in right relationship with God. God tore it from heaven down, said, I'm gonna let you know that now you can be in right relationship. Now, this is what I know. It is, he is God, Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. And from this, I see three things that Jesus did. Why did he tear the veil? Why did the veil have to, veil have to be torn? The first thing is because we see it right here with Jesus and the disciples. It's that he, because he can now reach us. See, before there was, God, there was God in the Ark of the Covenant and he would talk to a priest and then the priest would go and then now share whatever God said to the people. And so God said, I don't wanna do it this way. I wanna have personal relationship. I wanna give them peace in their situation. What would happen in the day, back in the day, you, in the Old Testament, you'd be struggling with something, you'd be frustrated, you gotta go to the priest. The priest would have to go to God. God would come to the priest, the priest would come to you. They'd pray, ah, ah. And he, now God said, no, no, in your moment, in your, and Jesus was showing this a picture of who he is, Jehovah Shalom. 
come. He was shows. I want you to know in your struggle now, because the tail is the the the, the tail, the veil has been torn. Now you have access to be able to see God coming towards you. Now He sees us, but He doesn't just see us. He doesn't stop there. Now He comes towards us in our situation and in our struggle. He sees us. Not only that, the veil was torn so now that we could see God and in his glory. See, the curtain kind of blocked the Ark of the Covenant where people couldn't see in. They couldn't see his glory. In fact, in the Old Testament, multiple times, people said, if I see his glory, if I see, I'm going to die. God's glory was too great. Now, because of the veil being torn, because of God's blood, because of he is Jehovah Shalom, now, here's what's awesome. Now, we're able to see God in our lives. Now we're able to see his glory in our lives. Now we're able to, if we see him coming to us, it doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just reach out to us and just walk towards us. Now we can see him move in our lives. We can see the very hand of God in our situation, in our struggles. Why? Because even though that we were sinners or even though we're in our struggle, God comes towards us because he loves us, because he is Jehovah Shalom. But then also not just because he loves us, it's also so that he can take care of us and provide peace in our lives in those situations. And thirdly, why was the, why was the veil torn? I put this, it's a, so now that nothing is stopping us from entering into his presence. Nothing is stopping us from entering into the presence. If we go back to Hebrews chapter nineteen, chapter ten, excuse me, and verse nineteen says, "So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly into enter into heaven's most holy place." In the Old Testament, man was not or woman were not allowed to get into the holy of holies. Only a priest was, and now. God said, I want, to, I want to bring peace to them. I want, to, I, want to, I want to tear the veil. And I want to, now I want to give them access to the presence of God. I want to give them access to heaven. Here's what's awesome. Now, when we pray to God, when we're in relationship with God, now, here's what happens. We're not, we're not reaching a temple. We're not praying to a box. Here's what we're doing. We're literally entering into the most holy place in heaven. Our prayers now don't just stop at a priest. Now our prayers are heard in heaven. He, now we can enter into the temple and yes, yes, we can come to church and do those things. But now it doesn't just stop with us coming to church. Now I can enter into his presence for my life and oh my goodness, is there not peace in his presence? You want to find peace in your life? I promise you this, get into his presence. Why? Because in his presence is where he is and he is peace in our lives. I encourage you, you ever come to church, you start worshiping, you're like, <sighs> yeah. I could do this all the time. Yeah, that's the great thing. Now we can. Now in your car, you can turn on music. You don't even need music. Sometimes I don't use music. You can just start singing, holy, holy. Okay, I'm going to stop because then there's going to be no presence. You know what I'm saying? But with me and him, the Bible says make a joyful noise. I love that scripture because it doesn't say make a joyful sound because I'd be in trouble. It says make a joyful noise. You know what I'm saying? I'd be wailing for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But here's what it is. If I could be going through a circumstance and I start to sing and enter into his presence. Now here's what happens. The presence of God begins to overwhelm me. Now the situation becomes smaller and God becomes bigger. All because God was willing to say, I want you to know I'm Jehovah Shalom. And so now you can enter in boldly. Oh, well, I haven't read my Bible in a while and oh I haven't been praying in a while and oh I haven't gone to church in a while oh COVID's kept me out of church for a while it doesn't matter now you can boldly enter into the presence of God why because Jesus chose to see us and reach out to us and now because of that we can reach his presence and his presence can overwhelm us and peace can come and defeat any situation in our lives he is Jehovah Shalom he is peace in our struggles
I love it. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna get excited. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 26, it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, Lord, Jesus, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over, to, over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. God is Jehovah, Shalom. He is the peace in our struggles, but he also, he's also the peace in our storms. The peace in our storms. Right here in this scripture, we see that they're struggling with rowing the boat and then Jesus comes towards them and Peter gets this bright idea. He says, you know what? If Jesus can do it, I think by gosh, I can do it. He says, Jesus, if it's really you, tell, tell me to come. Now, I'm sure anybody would have said, just come, just to see what would happen, you know what I'm saying? But Jesus, again, I'm, I'm just kidding, but Jesus says, yes, come. And so he keeps his eyes on Jesus. And when his eyes are on Jesus, the Bible literally says he's walking on water. Some people believe that he just stepped out and he immediately started to fall. That's not what happens. The Bible says that he was walking on the water towards Jesus. He was literally walking on the water. And then the Bible says that he sees the waves, he sees the wind, he sees what's happening. And the Bible says he puts his, takes his eyes off of Jesus and the, he begins to sink. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's the God of peace. He's peace in our struggles, but he's also peace in our storm. And here's what I know about peace. He is peace. But here's also what I know. The Bible says that peace is a part of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The Bible says that when Jesus came and he died on a cross and rose again, the Bible says that he, then he, he, he ascended to heaven and the Holy Spirit came and now lives on earth and he's God on earth. And the Bible says that if we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we believe in our hearts that he is Lord and we confess with our mouths that he's Lord, the Bible says we're saved. Then the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, now lives in us. The Spirit of God now lives in us. The fruit of the Spirit now overflows out of us. Why? Because the Spirit lives in us. And so I want to show it to you in Galatians uh, chapter 5. Thank you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is, is joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness. It's self-control. And against such thing, there is no law. It's love. It's joy. And it's peace. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. And so here's what I know. If that's the case, that means the Holy Spirit lives in us. So that means peace now is in us. So that means this, and this, I really do believe this, really what we feed in ourselves is what's going to come out of us. What you water grows. And so here's what happens here in this story, in the scripture, we see, I see four things very quickly that, that Peter has a chance to water. And so if from the, what you're watering is really what the outcome is going to be. I'm going to show it to you very quickly. And we're just talking about this because we believe, I believe this. Okay. It says, uh, it says when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear and they cried out, it's a ghost. They saw him and then they thought it's a ghost. The first thing that you have to be careful when we're talking about needing peace in our storm is we have to say, okay, what am I feeding my mind? What am I feeding my mind? They thought it was a ghost. Isn't it crazy that in a storm, in a struggle, in a chaotic moment in their life, in uncertainty of whether they would live or die, and isn't it interesting 
that they see Jesus, the Son of God, the one they had been following who had just fed 5,000 people. Isn't it interesting when they see him, they think he's a ghost. Now, didn't you just see Jesus do all these things? Don't you think they would recognize, oh, that's Jesus? But yet still, they thought he was a ghost. What does this show me? It shows us that in our circumstances, if we're not careful, we let our circumstances feed our minds. And here's what happens. We start to think what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right. They thought Jesus was a ghost. They thought the one that was good was bad. This is what happens in our situations if we start to allow the world and circumstances and, and, and uncertainty and fear feed our minds. This is when we let anxiety and stress start to feed our minds. Here's what happens. We start to see things with the wrong perspective because we've been feeding our minds the things that are of the world and not of God. You want peace in your life? You better not let the world feed your mind. Because let me tell you something. The world, you can let the world feed your mind. Let me tell you something. You're going to start thinking some crazy stuff. That's where our culture is. Our culture has gotten so far from God that they've been fed so much by self and by anxiety and by stress. Now here's what happens. Now our whole culture and our whole society is consumed with fear. Consumed. And now people, we can be like, some can be like, oh, no, no, I'm good. Like, no, I ain't scared. I ain't scared. I ain't scared. No, I'm good. No, and deep down, most people are so consumed with fear, even if they're not showing it. Why? Because we've allowed ourselves to be fed in our minds, our thought processes. And sometimes we're our own thoughts are the ones feeding us. I can start thinking negative about myself real quick. I don't know many people more negative than me about me. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, if we really want to find peace, then the question is, am I feeding my mind peaceful things? Or am I allowing the world, the storms, the noise to feed my mind? And if so, it's going to cause me to do this. It's going to cause me to see what's right as wrong and what's wrong as right. It says this, but Jesus in verse 27, Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come walking on the water. We have to, what are we feeding our minds? But then also, what are we speaking with our mouths? What are we speaking with our mouths? What are we feeding our minds? And what are we speaking with our mouths? I love Peter. Because Peter never, not one time said, I can't do this. Peter didn't once say, there's, there's no way. Peter never once said, this is impossible. Peter never once said, oh, there's no way. This is, it just, I, I, this is, this just can't, I can't do it. Nope, it's not me. It's not for me. No, here's what Peter said. Jesus, if you said it, I know it'll happen. So Jesus, I want to hear you say, do this. And so this is what he's speaking. He's saying, God, and this is what I would encourage you to do. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Peace is so attached to what we say and speak. Peace in your life is so attached to what you say and what you speak. Speak peace over your life. Oh, the culture and the, the world, just, it's just chaos. Oh, I can't do anything right. Oh, hey, when it rains, it pours. Yeah, it rains, it, when, it, when it rains, it pours because you just said it. The Bible says our, our, our mouths have the, the, the power to speak life or death. What are you speaking over your life? What are you speaking over your children's lives? What are you speaking over your position in your job? Oh, I'll never get that promotion. Oh, yeah, I always get overlooked. Yeah, you always get overlooked because you just said you always get overlooked. What are you speaking over your life? 
I love it, I love it, I love it. Very quickly, let's continue on. It says this, and it says in, uh, in verse uh, 29, it says, yes, come, Jesus said to Peter, went over the side. He said he walked on water. So again, what am I feeding him? Where, what am I feeding my mind? What am I speaking with my mouth? But then also, what, where am I going with my feet? The circumstances and situations and places you go we determine whether you receive peace or don't have peace. Here's what I know. In storms, we oftentimes go to the wrong places. In storms, we oftentimes go to the wrong relationship. In storms, we oftentimes go, we talk about it and we gossip about it. And here's what I would encourage you with in your storm. Again, he is peace in our storm. He is Jehovah Shalom in our storm. Where am I going? I love this. Even in his storm, he was walking towards Jesus. In your situation, when you get to a place where you're feeling like I'm having fear or I'm having anxiety or I'm stressing and I, I don't have peace about this situation, look at your life. Am I walking towards Jesus even though I'm uncomfortable? Because I know this, he is Jehovah Shalom. And so if he's Jehovah Shalom, if I get to him, I know I'm gonna find the peace that I need in my life. Where am I going? Lastly, very quickly in verse 30, in peace of my storms, it says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. It says, he saw the wind and he was afraid and began to sink. Where am I, with my mind, where am I, what am I feeding my mouth? What am I feeding my feet? And then also my eyes, what am I looking at in my life? Here's what I would encourage you with. I wrote this down, and this is the question I ask. Am I letting what I see around me dictate what I believe? He sees the storm, and he let what he saw dictate what he believed, and it caused him to sink. Instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus, he said, I'm going to look at the storm around me. And here's what I know. If we're not careful, we can quickly and easily get to the place in our lives where we allow what we see to dictate really what we believe. We can start to believe what a man or a woman says instead of believing what the word says. We can start getting to a place where we start to watch things online and we see things social network wise and we can say, you know what? I see the social networks and I see what's happening and you know what? I'm comparing myself to them or I'm comparing myself to this. Let me tell you something. You want to lose peace real quick? Compare yourself to somebody else. Comparing yourselves to each other. Oh, well, so-and-so got this job and oh, so-and-so graduated before, at the same time as me and they're, they're making this much money or so-and-so got married to this person or so-and-so had this kid and all. And we can compare ourselves to so-and-so and here's what happens. We can get so caught up in comparing ourselves with what we see that we lose all peace because peace is found in contentment with where we are. And so what are these four areas? There's my peace and my storm. These four areas, am I, what am I feeding myself? Because I know I want God to be my peace and I need to be careful what I feed my mind. I need to be careful what I speak. I need to be careful where I put myself and who I put myself around. I need to be careful what I look at because these things will steal my peace. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 31, it says, when they saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? They climbed back into the boat and the wind stopped and the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. He's peace in our struggles, he's peace in our storms, but he also is peace in our sinking. Every person in this room, every person watching online, we all have sinking moments. We all have moments where we feel like we're, being, we're sinking and we feel like we have nowhere, nowhere to grab and we feel like there's moments of hurt or maybe something that's happened to you in the past. Or there's these sinking moments that happen to us and what happens is we get to the place where we think we're on our own. 
But I love Jesus here because he shows us that he's not just peace in our struggles and our storms, but he's also peace in our sinking. And there's three things that Peter does that gets him to the place of where he stops sinking. He first, he cries out. It says he cries out, Lord, save me. You know, the greatest thing that anyone can do if you're in a moment of sinking, maybe you've been walking through depression in your life and you got into a place where you feel like there's no hope and you feel like I just, you, you know, it's hard for you to get up out of bed. Maybe you're sinking in lust and you've been looking at things for so long you can't feel like you can't get free. Maybe you're sinking in anger and every time something happens, you react. I don't know. I do know this, that we all have sinking moments and here's what I know. In order to really truly get free and get out of those sinking moments, we have to first cry out to God. We have to say, Lord, I need you. Here's what I say, ask, and ask again. And then asking, oh, well, I've been praying to get free from this, and I've been praying to get out of this, this depression for, 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 for weeks or for months or for years. I've been praying, I've been asking, ask again. The Bible says to keep on asking, and the door will be open to you. Here's what I know. We cannot let our situation around us dictate what we believe, meaning even if I don't see it, I know and trust he's with me, and he wants to reach out to me, so I'm going to keep asking, God, I'm sinking in this. I need you. It's stealing my peace in my life. God, I need you in this. We got to cry out. I love it. He didn't just be like, hey, God, help me. No, the wind and the waves were so intense. He cries out. He shouts, God, you got to help me. You got to save me because if not, God, I'm going to die. I'm going to drown in this mess. I want to encourage you just for a second. I know I'm getting real serious. But if you're walking through a situation in your life where you feel like you're sinking, cry out to God and don't stop crying out. Don't stop asking just because you haven't seen it yet. He's a God that answers our prayers because he is Jehovah Shalom. And so here's what we must do. We must be a people that say, God, I got to cry out. I'm desperate in such a way that I don't care what my boys in the boat are thinking. I don't care what they're saying. Oh, look, look at Peter. He messed up again. <laughs> Some of them are probably like, that's Peter. Yeah, that's what he does. But he was so desperate because he knew he needed something that those men could never bring him. And so here's what he does. He doesn't say, hey, fellas, throw me a lifeline. Hey, fellas, let's hang out and kick it tonight. Hey, why don't you call me and help me? No, here's what he does. He says, Jesus, Jehovah, I need you in my life. There's no one that can free me and reach down and grab me out of this pit in this cave that I'm in. And so here's what I need. I need you to come and save me. And here's what's awesome about the God that we serve. He reaches out every time and he pulls us up. He reaches out every time. Oh, it's been 20 times. I've, I, he reaches down and he pulls us up. But we have to be a people that say, I'm going to cry out. But then I love this. I love this. It doesn't stop with him just crying out to God. God reaches out. Jesus reaches out to him, picks him up. But then the Bible says that they climb back into the boat. The Bible says that when they climb back into the boat, the wind stops. Now, I love asking questions about the Bible. I talk to God all the time about the Bible. Here's the question I had. God, why in the world would you wait till you got in the boat to calm it down? 
like you saw Peter sinking, you could have calmed the water and he could have been just swimming around enjoying the day. He could have been floating. Why did you reach out, get back in the boat, and then stop the waves? Here's what I saw. He is Jehovah Shalom. He's a God of peace. He's a God that's always reaching out to us in our sinking moments, but it doesn't just stop with him reaching out and holding us. Then he makes Peter climb back into the boat. What does this show us? It shows us, see, oftentimes people see the scripture and they see, oh, Jesus calmed the wind immediately. He didn't calm the wind immediately. He made Peter get back in the boat and then he calmed the water. What does this show us? It shows us that we are to be a people. If we really want to receive peace and have peace in our lives, we must first cry out to him. But then also we got to climb back into the boat. There's a process that you and I must walk through in order to truly receive. See, oftentimes we go walking through depression or we're walking through lust or we're walking through a sinking thing in our lives and we just want God to reach out. Just take it away. Take it. And here's what happens. Then we feel good about ourselves. We got a week or two, we're like, yeah. I'm free. Yeah, Jesus with me. And then two weeks later, something happens. Reaction happens. We get back into the cave or the pit and we're like, ah, I thought I was free. Jesus. Maybe you probably like that. I don't know. <laughs> and here's what he does. He reaches out and holds him. But then he takes a moment, he says, okay, Peter, climb back. There's a process for you and I. I love that Jesus didn't just immediately, immediately calm the waters when he was sinking. No, he reached out when he was sinking and he said, okay, now I need you to climb back. See, here's what it is. It's a process for you and I to say, okay, now Jesus has done his part. Now I gotta do my part. Now I gotta climb back in the boat. Here's what's interesting. If you really get to a place in your life where you're, you really are sinking, Here's what happens. You can look around you and you can feel like no one's there for you. But here's what's interesting. There wasn't no one there for him. The disciples were right around him. And here's what he has to do. You ever, you ever help somebody back into a boat? You ever try to climb back into a, a boat? I'm not gonna lie. Like you try to climb back into a boat by yourself, you look like a beach whale. You know what I'm saying? Like you're like flopping, you can't get up. And one of your friends is like sitting there sipping on a Coke and you're like, help me! And somebody like grabs you and like kind of pulls you up. I never forget one time we were whitewater rafting. One of our friends fell over. She couldn't get back in the boat. We had to like pick her up and pull her. As we pulled her, she, her whole body slid up against the boat. And she had a GoPro on her. And the GoPro just went, bye, GoPro, see you later. It was gone. Why? Because it was a struggle for her to get back into the boat. So she had to receive help from people in the boat to, to, in order to get back 
into the boat. This is what God does. God wants us to get us back, back to the place of where we're living and walking in freedom. He reaches out and he grabs us from that sinking moment and he holds on to us. But then now he says, I need you to climb back into the boat. And so now we go to the boat and we say, hey, you that's around me. Hey, you friend that's around me. Hey, my spouse around me. Hey, I need you to help me get back to the place of where I once was. I need to get away from this anger. I need to get out of this cave of depression. I need to remove myself from this lust. But I can't do it on my own. I need help. And here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is holding me, but I need you to help me. And so this is why small groups, oh, I'm going to preach to you about small groups for a second. This is why small groups are so important. This is why we were never intended to do life alone. Why? Because when we're intended to do life alone, here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to hold us, and he picks us up, and then we're going to go, cannonball, back into it. Then he's going to pick us up and hold us up, and he's going to be holding, and cannonball, we're going to move back into it. And this will be the cycle that we walk through. But Jesus puts people around us in the boat. And he says, I want you to know that you can live a life free from the sinking. You just got to climb back in. That means I got to change some thinking processes. I got to say, God, I got to get up and I got to move forward in this area of my life. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my boys or my girls in the boat. I need you to help pull me back up because I'm struggling with this. And oh my goodness, we don't like talking about struggles, but it's so important we do. Why? Because if we're really going to receive peace in our lives from those sinking moments, we got to cry out to God. But then we also have to say, somebody in the boat, help me because I know God's got more for me. He's got a bigger plan for me. I know I have value and I have worth and I know either I see it or I don't. I know I got people around me that are going to love me and here's what you have to do. You have to say, I need you. I need you. And then here's what's crazy. He gets back into the boat and immediately the wind stops. There's this process that we walk through with Jehovah Shalom. It's crying out to him. But then it's also not just crying out to him. It's not stopping there. Then it's climbing back into the boat and having people around me. And then when I get back in the boat, here's what happens. <sighs> then I look back and I look at my life and I say, I've been free from that for six months. I've been free from that for a year. Now I'm the one in the boat and here's what I can do. I can see so-and-so that's sinking. Now I can be the one to grab you and pull you. Hey, I was once there, friend. Oh my gosh, let me tell you something. I know where you're at and it's not fun, but I want you to know you're loved for and you're cared for and I want you to know I'm here for you. Let me pull you out and help you up. Why? Because now I know I was once there and know somebody else helped me and so now I want to help you. Why? Because I know he is Jehovah Shalom and you can find peace in your life. We live in a world where there's chaos, where there's fear, where there's anxiety, where there's this overwhelming stress. And it gets us to a place where a lot of us do, where we get like Peter and we get to the place where we feel like I look around and all I see is wind. 
All I see are waves crashing on me, and every time I, I, try, I try to breathe, and, and it just knocks me over again. And every time something goes right, and I take, I take six steps back, and every time I feel like I finally get I'm going back, and I just don't understand why. It's all because God is wanting us to know there is no peace without him. And so what we must do is say, God, I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you. And so, God, I'm crying out to you. And from there, I'm going to cry out to you, God, as you hold me. God, I'm going to look to the boat. I'm going to look to those around me. I want to encourage them to get real serious. If you're in a place where you're in a dark, dark cave, I want to encourage you. Don't get caught up in seeing just darkness that you forget about the people that truly love you. There are people that around you that will do anything for you. If you need help with something, please come talk to me. If nobody else will, I promise you Ashley and I will. If you're in a situation where you feel like I can't talk to anybody, come talk to us online or here. I'm telling you, you are in a place where people are in the boat wanting to help you because they love you. Why? Because God loves you. Let us be a people. Let us be a church. Let us be known as ones that are always helping pull people from their sinking place. Because Jesus did it for us. And I love this as we close today for the 15th time. They get on the boat and the first response is they worship. The first response for me would be like, oh, he just come the ways, what? The first response is they worship. And here's what's interesting. They don't worship him for what he does. They worship him for who he is. They say, you truly are the son of God. Why? Because his peace in his hand always reveals his heart. And so this is what he wanted them to know. He wants you to know. He wanted them to know, oh, I want you to know I'm with you. I want you to know I'm reaching for you. I want you to know I'm walking towards you. I want you to know I'm going to pull you out. I want you to know you got people around you. I want you to know I can calm the storms. And so here's what I want you to know. I want you to know who I am. And so they see a picture of who he is. And the first response is worship. They celebrate. They celebrate who he is. I want to encourage you. If you've been in a place where you've been sinking in an area of your life, never stop celebrating God from freeing you from that area of your life. You're, we're never too experienced to worship. We've never gone too far. We're never five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. We're never too far to stop and worship God for what he once did. Why? And what he's done for us and who he is. Why? Because we know without him, we are nothing. Without him, there is chaos. Without him, we know there is, we are sinking. And we'll stay sinking and we'll drown. And so we as Christians, we will never stop worshiping because we know he is Jehovah Shalom, our peace and our only peace. Let us be a church that looks to him in our struggles, in our storms, in our sinking. Because we know he truly is peace in every area of our lives.